Welcome to the Send 938 podcast, a ministry of Baptist Missions designed to encourage, equip, and inspire the next generation of missionary servants and the churches who will send them. I'm your host, Steve Anderson, Administrator for North American Ministries with Baptist Missions. And today's episode is a little different than what you may have become accustomed to over the last couple of months. This is an excerpted conversation from a lengthier conversation recently published in an episode on the Send 938 podcast about the counseling ministry and the local church. And there we have a conversation with uh, Pastor Steve Viers from Faith Church in Lafayette and one of the missionaries sent from Faith under the banner of Baptist Missions to do church planting ministry in Mexico City, Mexico, Sam and Jamie Hornbrook. And so the conversation there is focused on the, the, the benefits and the need for counseling ministry in the local church, as well as the dynamics of reproducing the, the DNA of the church that sends a missionary to do church planting work. And Sam and Jamie have done that in Mexico City quite well, and so I commend that episode to you if you haven't listened to it already. But in the midst of that conversation, there was a brief interlude where Pastor Viers and I discussed a recent interaction that he and the church there in Lafayette had with the city council in West Lafayette, Indiana, who put forward a ordinance for the city that would have criminalized the offering of biblical counsel to minors who were asking questions about or seeking to understand sexual identity um, or uh, sexual preference. And so basically, if a student came and said, I, I have this same-sex attraction, I know that it's not uh, right for me to pursue that, I want to understand uh, how to uh, respond to this in a biblical capacity, the city ordinance would have criminalized not only a pastor offering counsel, but the counselors working in the, the large counseling ministry of Faith Church in Lafayette, and read with a uh, just a, a plain understanding of the legislation, it actually would have criminalized a parent's interaction with their child about this issue. And so, rightly, Pastor Viers and his church stood up to the city council, interacted with them uh, in a way that uh, that provoked their withdrawing of the ordinance. And so this is really something of, of consequence because it's not just something that happens somewhere else apart from you or your ministry. This is probably coming to your community, your doorstep, uh, if it's not already there. And uh, several of our missionary families are serving in places where this type of counsel has already been criminalized, including in Canada. And so we wanted to interact with this in a way that we we thought would be helpful in challenging pastors, church planters, church families to think through a biblical response to a civil governance that would criminalize biblical behavior. Here's that conversation with Steve Viers, excerpted from last week's episode of the Send 938 podcast on the counseling ministry of the local church. I, I have uh, long said that, that when God gave instruction to the, the people of Israel in their exile to pray for the welfare of their city because in, in the prosperity of that city they would prosper, that that has to have a component of prayer for the, for the moral condition of that society. And we recognize that when we pray, prayer demands action. action if, if we just resign ourselves to praying and asking God to do something without maintaining any measure of our own responsibility in the matter, we're, we're not praying as we ought. And so 
um, engaging the welfare of the community around a church uh, is, I think, instrumental um, in accomplishing things which are for the for the welfare of the city in which we're living. And Pastor Virus, you recently had some interaction with uh, the city in which your ministry is located that uh, gained some national attention. And uh, I commend you and your church family, the rest of the leadership there, and those who stood with you in support of what you you undertook in terms of opposition to a, a city uh, ordinance, which would have um, criminalized and penalized um, you and your staff and potentially even parents of children who were interacting with adolescents about gender identity and sexual orientation issues. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience, identify for, for us what took place and, and um, the consequence of that in interaction? Sure. And, you know, um, time doesn't allow us to give all the context I might like because, uh, you know, I wrote a book several years ago entitled Loving Your Community, and it explains why faith 16 years ago now stopped building church auditoriums and started working with our neighbors and building community centers. So we're trying to love the fire out of our neighbors each and every day through all sorts of community-based outreach ministries, just trying to show the love of Jesus Christ and meeting community needs in all sorts of ways. And it goes right along with the, the mindset of our biblical counseling center, but it's you know more from community center ministries. That's what we're all about. And that's what's helped us build these relationships with various community leaders. In fact, I'm sitting right now in an urban community center in the worst part of our city sociologically, why am I here? It's because the mayor asked our church to start a campus here. And he said, look, we can't, we can't tax our way out of these problems. We can't police our way out of these problems. Will faith come down to the North end and help us? Well, you're not going to have to ask me that twice. And so that's, <laughs> that's the kind of work that we believe in doing. Regrettably, um, one of our campuses in West Lafayette, right by the entrance to Purdue university, that's not the regrettable part, but regrettably what happened was their city council um, has a Purdue professor on it, along with some other people. It's just like any place, the most left leading places in a state generally are going to be where your state universities are. And so Purdue University, it's a great mission field. We love it. Um, we absolutely love doing ministry there. But their city council, without ever even speaking to us, um, proposed an ordinance called 3121. And it sought to uh, ban conversion therapy with minors at a threatened fine of $1,000 per day. Well, we've never practiced conversion therapy one time ever in 45 years. If you look at the technical definition of conversion therapy, it's a barbaric practice um, initiated by the secular world. Right. I'm talking about things like um, when a person was experiencing same-sex attraction back when the secular world called that a mental disorder and thereby. Bible, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, they developed um, practices that were so barbaric. I'm talking about um, attaching electric probes to a person's sexual organs and then showing them a picture of someone from the same sex. And when they became aroused, shocking them electrically. That's what conversion therapy was. Again, developed by the secular world. We never did it. However, here's what happened. Um, the progressive activists dramatically expanded the definition of conversion therapy. And so the, the definition that was used in this particular ordinance would have certainly included a, a person, a pastor, a coach, a small group leader, simply opening the word of God with a minor who came asking voluntarily questions about um, their human sexuality. 
And again, it was with a, a threatened fine of $1,000 per day. Now, that's been happening with licensed counselors for quite a few years now. It's really a shame. Yes. What was unusual about this one is this was focused on unlicensed counselors. And um, there's only that had only been tried one other time in State College, Pennsylvania. Regrettably, it passed unanimously and there was no opposition. So now another Big Ten university town, um, they're going to try it here. By their admission, which is hard to believe, this professor said he didn't even know about faith when he launched this. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So anyway, they, they laid it out. I heard about it on a Monday. I worked with our attorney that day um, proposing um, religious exemption language that they could just add to the piece of um, legislation that made it clear that churches and biblical counselors were exempt from their ordinance. They refused to do that. As soon as they refused to do that, that told me what their real intent was. They were seeking to criminalize people, to shame us, to silence us if we use the word of God with young people regarding the issue of human sexuality. And so I, I don't like to be mean to our city council members, but I made it very clear to them, if you pass this ordinance, my exact words were, we will seek to violate it every day, hopefully before breakfast. And the reason is because we already have a God and it's not you. And this is as clear an Acts 529 issue as I can possibly think of. We must obey God rather than men. We're never going to surrender our religious liberty to you. In fact, it wasn't just a freedom of religion issue. It was a freedom of speech issue. Because what about a minor who believes in God and, and wanted to sit down and talk to someone from the word of God? That's none of the city council's business. And right. the city council has no right to suppress that young person's free speech. It's also a counselor's free speech. We, we, we can speak from whatever source of truth we seek, we want to believe. And as long as we're honest about it, we're doing it voluntarily. It's not the city council's business. And, and they were not going to back down. And, and we set out a petition um, that had over 14,000 signatures. Our city council members and West Lafayette's not a big town. They received thousands upon thousands of emails asking them not to do it. They still weren't going to back down. It's, it's amazing. Um, in fact, they got their back up about the whole thing. And so regrettably, I mean, I wrote a book called Loving Your Community, Not Suing Your Community. But what turned the tide was we hired the largest law firm in the state of Indiana, Barnes and Thornburg. Um, when they heard about this situation, they were willing to take on our case. And we hired their constitutional expert, Peter Rusthoven, um, a Harvard grad, 70 years old, a constitutional expert along with one of their litigators, John Malley, and they wrote a letter to the West Lafayette City Council that said, your ordinance is, and their words were, constitutionally invalid on its face. If you pass it um, and faith takes you to court, you will lose. And then we will ask the court to make the city pay all of faith's legal fees. And it was at that point that our city council backed down. They withdrew their ordinance. Now, they're in a pretty bad mood about it, and um, I'm dealing with some residual effects of that even over at the public high school. And again, we're not the kind of people who get involved in a fight, but, but if you want to fight about our ability to teach the word of God to people, you might as well put up your dukes and bring a lunch because we're going to fight about that every day. And um, so um, we're not mad about it. 
we're not trying to force it on anybody else, but um, we love God, we love his word, and we are going to teach it without apology. And we're going to counsel from it without apology to every person who voluntarily comes to seek our help. Good. Now, you know, the reality here is that with reference to rights and liberties, we, we don't make those things our idols, but we would be fools to pretend like they don't exist uh, when they serve the, the effort that would be undertaken to advance the cause of Christ. And we're dealing with this from the perspective of, of those who are American citizens, but under my administration with BMM, we've got missionary church planners serving in Canada. And in Canada, they passed uh, res- uh, legislation known as C4, that became the law in Canada uh, in January of this year, which has almost exactly the same language that you described there, including this broad and and indescript definition of conversion therapy and uh, recognizing that, that uh, there are those who are now forced to do ministry underneath this kind of legislation. Uh, what might your your counsel be to someone who, who would say, what, what am I supposed to do now? Because the law is law and no one seems willing to, to reverse it at, at the legislative level. Well, and we face the same question right here in West Lafayette, because I explained to the city council, look, I'm a Baptist. That means I'm a day late and a dollar short. So if you're going to find me a thousand dollars a day, welcome to I'm fresh out of money. I am temporarily embarrassed for lack of funds. So then what you need to figure out is what are you going to do next? And if the answer is I'm going to put you and all the rest of you Baptists and evangelical biblical counselors in jail, then you better check your budget. Because as Baptists, we're always having a potluck. We're always eating. I mean, you are going to have to, we will bankrupt you just in what you're going to, just think about how much fried chicken we're going to eat. And um, we made it very clear. If you want to send us to jail, send us to jail. But (laughs) what's going to happen, we're going to start a jail ministry inside the prison. Then you're going to have all of these prisoners who are going to become followers of Jesus Christ. It's going to be amazing. And, and, you know, I'm kidding around a little bit, but there's a side of me that is dead dog serious. Yeah. We were ready to go to jail on that point, and they knew it. And I think that there are people um, in other cultures. Look, if I have a choice between I, I'm going to stop teaching the word of God or I'm going to jail, welcome to I'm going to jail. Yeah. One of the things that, that many who advocate for a measure of civil, civil disobedience in this arena don't seem to understand is that that if you're willing to disobey civil governance in obedience to God, you also must be willing to suffer the consequence. Acts 5 was, we're going to obey God rather than men, but you have to decide what you're going to do. And uh, that was an evidence that the apostles there were were willing to suffer the consequence of disobedience because the, the matter of disobeying God rather than man was of far greater significance. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're finding is, you know, it is um, galvanizing the evangelical community in our town. And um, it's amazing how many people kind of slink up to me at the grocery store, look around to be sure that nobody's watching and say, hey, thanks for what you're doing. And then, boom, they disappear. And um, I I get that. But um, but I, I really do believe that people understand these are serious issues. And I don't want to be in a situation where my grandkids look at me someday and say, hey, grandpa. That law came in under your watch. What did you do about it? Mm. And I don't want the answer to be, well, nothing because I was afraid. 
And I, I don't like a fight. I'm not a fighter, but there are some things worth standing up for and, um, and, and paying whatever price we have to pay. One of the features, and I followed what was going on in West Lafayette when it was happening. One of the features that I noticed in the, the posters and, and campaign that the city council was running and, and supporters of their efforts were, were running was this phrasing of save our children. Yeah. Uh, hang on one second. I'll show you. <clears throat> Yeah, so this was the poster. Um, this was put up all over the Purdue University campus. Yeah. Um, Pastor Byers, keep your hands off our kids. And um, it, accused, it accused me of being a child abuser. Yeah, that phrase, our kids, it, it is so insidious. When I, when I saw that for the first time, I said, here's, here's I, I actually remember turning to my wife and saying, here's the hinge point for the the left that is is pushing this agenda that they believe our kids are their kids and that they're responsible for raising up this generation and I'll tell you it was about a week ago I was I was I saw a clip on on social media of President Biden and he was telling teachers that's right. When those kids are in your classroom, they're your kids. And I said yep. to my wife, this is the same thing that happened in West Lafayette. And I, I, I just, you mentioned, you know, there's coming a day when you, you might stand before your grandkids and they would ask, what did you do when this happened? And I think the matter of how our kids are going to experience this world is a, is a heavy motivator for me uh, to interact with, with these things. Well, the poster at the bottom says, um, our city, our children, our voice. And um, the, here, here's what's so bad about that. Since that, that was back in January, February, those were posted all over Purdue University campus. I have a married daughter who works at Purdue. Oh, she was telling me what it was like to try to go to lunch. And signpost after signpost after signpost, doorway, elevator, had these posters accusing her daddy of being a child abuser. That's where we are. And so, but, but that's not the end of that particular story. So back um, four weeks ago at our West Lafayette public school, um, the gay straight Alliance chose to have a, um, a, a walkout. And so the, the newspaper published the, the picture of these young people, along with two city council members, um, the chairman of the, the school board and staff members marching and several of the young people, and this was in the newspaper, carrying signs that were saying F faith, except with that um, vulgarity spelled out. Now, this is during the instructional day wow. at a taxpayer funded public school attended by elected city council members, the elected school board president and uh, paid staff with young people carrying signs that said F faith. And there's marching around the city because that's how upset they are that there's anybody in our community that chooses for themselves and those who want to voluntarily come and see us, that we believe in a biblical view of human sexuality. Yeah. And um, I actually wrote I, I, the newspaper. One nice thing about our newspaper, they allow me to write op-eds, which is essentially biblical counseling at a pastoral level <laughs> or at a community level. Yeah. And um, 
And I, I wrote an op-ed last week about that, just a plea for civility. And that, that's targeted hate speech. And I, I explained to our community, if our Christian school students had had a walkout and they were carrying signs like that with that kind of vulgarity targeting any other people group, um, the people would be calling for uh, the rescinding of our accreditation from the state. They'd be calling for us to no longer be able to participate in IHSAA athletics. It would be a terrible thing, and rightly so. And yet that's what happened. And what's interesting, I wrote that op-ed just pleading for civility. We can differ with each other, but without targeted hate speech. And it was interesting. I had a woman contact me. She's a friend of mine. She's a, a leader in the lesbian community in West Lafayette. And she said, you know, you're right. And she said, I was at that march. And she said, I saw the signs. And I didn't do anything. And that was the point of my op-ed. I'm not that concerned about the kids. I'm concerned about the adults. Yeah. Because those when kids. When that situation needed an adult the most, they had one the least. And she said, you know, you're right. I felt bad about that the rest of the day. I want to ask you and your congregation and your school's uh, forgiveness for that. And I had already said to these people, listen, if you want to sit down and have a conversation about that, let's do it. And so she contacted me back and said, hey, the two student leaders want to talk with you. And so um, that's scheduled in the next couple of days for me to meet with these leaders, student leaders from the high school. And um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to present Christ to them. And that's one of the reasons I, I try to step into these kind of situations with the truth from the word of God is you never know where the ministry opportunities might end up, but it can get a little dicey. Well, thanks for your your boldness and and really standing in the front line of that fight because what happened there is is certainly coming to other communities soon. I think. Well, that's one of the things I, I'm glad about it getting as much national play as it did. I, I really do believe these conversion therapy bands are coming to a theater near you. Yeah. And so that's why we set up the website we did. We put the amount of attention and focus on here's one way to um, try to overcome these kind of ordinances. So that's at freedomlafayette.org. And we kept that website live so that people can see the blogs and the um, videos and that sort of thing. But you're right. That's one of the reasons we did this. And that's one of the reasons the sovereignty of God, I think it's so humorous of all of the places to try a conversion therapy ban against non-licensed counselors. Lafayette, Indiana had to be one of the worst choices. And so <laughs> if that helps some other small church somewhere that might not have been as prepared, then praise God for that. And again, yeah. I'm not trying to draw attention to us, but I'm just saying, as I watched this whole thing unfold, I thought, wow, I'm hoping this is going to alert others and perhaps protect others. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a friend who said to me recently that one of the problems that the church in North America is facing is that the the majority of congregants seem to think that we're still doing ministry in Jerusalem when in actually actuality we're doing ministry in Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. We're, li- we're living in a, good. we're living in a post Christian era yeah. and, and most people aren't even familiar with what that term means. Yeah. And you know, I find it energizing. So again, I'm not in a bad mood about this, and my theology helps me not be in a bad mood about right. all of this. But um, it's it's like the old story of the uh, the two shoe salesmen who went to India. The first guy gets off the plane and sees nobody's wearing shoes. He calls back to the home office and says, "Cancel all my orders. Nobody's wearing shoes." Second guy gets off the plane, sees nobody's wearing shoes, and calls back to the office and says, "Double all my orders. Nobody's wearing shoes." 
And so, you know, I just, I, I am energized by this kind of culture. I'm energized by these kinds of situations because Jesus died for all of this. So, so, so we're sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. Mm. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm glad for the friction. I'm glad for the tension, at least to the sense that it sure gives you opportunities to speak out about these matters. And some people are obviously listening. Yeah. Wonderful. Pastor Byers, thanks for your interaction on this topic today. It's, it's an important issue, and uh, the example that you and your church uh, have demonstrated for how um, a church or ministry might interact with civil authority on this matter especially is of great value to me personally and, and certainly to our listeners. It's always our hope that someone would have been equipped, encouraged, or inspired for ministry and service. And if that's you, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note at send938 at bmm.org with a comment or question about the show. And no matter what streaming platform you're listening on, help others find the Send 938 podcast by leaving us a five-star review. And as always, meet you here next time on the Send 938 podcast.